Aftershock, the last post-game aftershock of the year. Right before we joined you, we were talking a little bit. I just want to reflect on the fact that this is number 37 aftershock of the season, in addition uh, to a couple of extra stuff, uh, things that we threw out there. So wanted to thank you all who have joined us here and wanted to welcome you to what was, uh, you know, uh, an emotional seminal night in the history of the club. It, it, the consequences in the field didn't matter so much because this night was about Wando. Uh, I'm joined here by Jamin Moore, Alex Morgan. We're going to get Robert Jonas, one of the longest time Quakes beat writers, uh, is joining us from the stadium and we'll get him on screen when we can. Gentlemen, what a night. Jamin, I'll start with you. Chris Wanowski, we knew this was probably going to be it, but how did it feel on the night? Yeah, it was a really, really surreal in some ways, just because we didn't know 100%, but yet at the same time, I think we had all kinds of hints that were being dropped along the way. Oh, Robert joining us now. Hey, Robert. And uh, yeah, we, we had all kinds of hints along the way that this was going to be his final game. And, you know, it, it turned out that, uh, that you know, it was. Um, and, you know, it, there's, I think, just the questions in terms of like, you know, okay, we see now we see his daughters and everyone's wearing patches and all kinds of stuff. And there's a rumor that he hadn't even confirmed to the front office. This was shared in the Slack by by someone in our Slack that he hadn't even confirmed to the front office that it was going to be his last game until after he scored the goal. And then he looked at them and basically signaled, this is it. That uh, once that goal happened, he finally said for sure that this was going to be it uh and uh you know and then soon after that is when we heard that there would be a special announcement and then you know shared shared with uh, with the fans that there would be a special announcement too so how much of that is true at this point you know maybe it's maybe it's just going to be the stuff of legend that he made the decision in his final game that it would be his final game but uh certainly uh you know you have to really look at this as a special moment for Wando to get a goal is just amazing. I couldn't be happier for him other than I'd be much happier if he had the playoffs to look forward to. But uh, I think we've known for a bit that that was not going to happen. And, and so did Wando. And, and that probably already had factored into his decision to this point. So Alex Morgan, maybe it's a real fairy tale. Maybe it's not. How does the goal, is the, how does the goal change the way that you see his exit here? Especially given the way that it was scored. I mean, the goal just puts a, a positive spin on tonight's game call. And uh, I'm grateful. I think everybody was grateful to have seen one last goal by Chris Wondolowski. Uh, it's just a, a feel-good moment for everyone at PayPal Park, for everyone watching to witness 
uh, Wando score one more. And it was a really good finish as well. It was a good play. Cade Cowell getting down the left, hitting Marcos Lopez on the overlap. You get a low cross into the box. Uh, a little bit of debate about whether Wando hit it with his foot or whether he shinned it. Uh, but either way, it was really a fantastic finish, a clinical finish. I think it's a, a good one to end on. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it, it feels like a, a nice celebration for Wondolowski to be able to have. It would have been a bummer uh, if the Quakes had lost, if he hadn't been able to get on the score sheet. But uh, it feels like uh, there's a little closure uh, with him getting his 171st goal here. Uh, and definitely an emotional night for, for everyone involved, Colin. So Robert Jonas, you've been in and around this club since the relaunch, you know, pretty much the entire second version of the quakes here in San Jose. So that means you spent a lot of time around Wando and you've seen him through the years. What, what is this like for you after all those years of seeing him finally come to an end? Yeah, yeah. And I hope the sound's okay because I'm actually here in the stadium and they're still playing the music. And I think Wando is still walking along the sidelines saying goodbye to folks. Um, I've seen uh, almost every goal he scored at home since uh, he came back to the club in 2009. And I've even seen a few of his goals that he scored on the road when I've been uh, traveling to watch the team. So um, just knowing that you know he and, and even his teammates, you could tell, were really aware of where he was on the field and keeping an eye on him, trying to get him the pass. Very, very welcoming to, to get it to him. He was taking shots from outside the box, which we don't see too often. Everyone wanted to see Wondolowski get on the score sheet. And, and I think that included a lot of us that have known him and, and, and followed him and talked to him for as many years as we have. So um, I, I'll admit it was, a, it, was, it was very emotional on my end as well to, to see that and to see him be able to celebrate and uh, to know that, you know, he goes out personally on top, you know, it's a shame they couldn't have gotten a win to really send them out uh, a, a true winner, but uh, there may never be another player like Chris Wondolowski that wears uh, Earthquakes colors. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine, and, and he's really uh, set the bar high. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more strongly. This is Chris Wondolowski is the club. You know, this th there's not been that much success in recent years. The 2012 season is starting to get farther and farther into the memory, so people who love this club don't love it because they're serial winners. You know, these are not the New York Yankees. They're not, you know, Manchester United. The reason you do is kind of an ethos in the set of values that really Wando is just the best encapsulator of that loyalty and grit and drive and perseverance. Um, and so he, you know, he is, he is the, the most important figure at the club. Uh, and it's going to be really hard to imagine a San Jose earthquakes without him. Um, and you know, for, for those of us who've, you know, had the pleasure of covering him through the years, he's also, you know, a total gentleman uh, with the media. And we also got to see him a little bit, you know, on practice pitches. And the fact that he does those late arriving runs where he's receiving the ball on a cutback right about the penalty spot and finishing with his left foot, just like he did tonight. Uh, you know, we've seen him work on exactly that. Um, and so it's it, there was definitely some poetic beauty in, in watching that be the final one to go in. And if it's off his shin, I agree with you, Alex, that's even better um, because he was never it was never about doing things the prettiest, the most beautifully, the most spectacularly for him. It was it was all, you know, lunch pail stuff. Uh, I was being in the right place in the right time. Um, given that, you know, this game happened without the context of, of real competitive stakes, though. Maybe that allowed them to focus a little bit more on the 
the the occasion of Wando rather than any sort of playoff implications. I don't know, Alex Morgan, you tell me, is it actually for the best that this game didn't matter? Well, I, I think that Chris Wondolowski would have loved to participate in the playoffs this year, Colin. Um, he's a true competitor. He is so incredibly passionate and competitive. And it's obvious that, um, you know, it, I, I, I think it was difficult for him not to be able to uh, end with a title or end with the playoffs because that's always what he was aspiring to. Uh, he always put the team goals above his personal achievements or personal accomplishments. And, you know, I think it's clear that the sort of lack of success in San Jose over the last decade is something that he grappled with, something that he struggled with. And I think his choice to keep coming back was uh, in large part because he wanted to be able to, you know, make the playoffs, make a deep run and, and, and get some silverware. Um and I think it's a true testament to his his loyalty and his devotion uh, and the connection that he has uh, with San Jose and, and with the fans here and with everybody in the club that he chose to stick around and stay in San Jose. He obviously had opportunities to leave San Jose, opportunities to challenge himself uh, in, in different places uh, and maybe even earn more money. But, you know, he chose to stay in San Jose. And, and even though he didn't necessarily have, I think, the most titles or the most silverware over the course of his career, I think what he had, what he created is something more meaningful than that. And, and at least to me, more valuable than that, which is the sort of everlasting love and appreciation of this community uh, and of the fans and the, the, you know, sense of connection that he shares with everybody in San Jose. I think that's really meaningful and, and, and valuable. Uh, and to me, it's, it's worth more than any title or any piece of silverware or, or any, any of that stuff. Couldn't agree more. There's, you know, there's money cannot buy the sort of devotion and love that this fan base has for him. Um, getting I mean, Robert, one of the things you said, you know, resonated with me is, you know, there won't be another earthquake like him. And I agree with you. And I'd be interested to hear you expound on that. But also there's some records that might well never be broken. The 171 is, is a lot uh, in MLS. I can imagine it maybe being broken one day, but 10 consecutive years of double digit goals within the league. You know, I can't imagine that going away. Is there anyone who's ever going to rival either of those things? And what, you know, where as soon as they go from here? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, it, those those uh, numbers are always meant to be broken. I think anyone who sets a record knows eventually one day that record will get uh, overtaken. But, you know, 10, 10 straight, you know, and, and at the same club, you know, if you talk about all the individual team records that he set, you know, by far those are going to be incredible uh, marks to, to ever see someone in a San Jose shirt beat up. But, but even uh, across the league, you know, players move and, and players get opportunities. And, you know, you have players like a, a Joseph Martinez, who started so strong his first few seasons with Atlanta, suffered an injury, and it's going to take him a while to get back. And, guy, you know, player after clip player, you've looked at and said, oh, that guy's going to maybe have a chance. You know, he moves on to another league. You know, there, there's just not going to be many guys like Chris Wondolowski that play in Major League Soccer, for that matter, let, let alone San Jose. And so uh, as as we kind of bid farewell on, on his career, I think that's uh, something that I think a lot of fans are going to grapple with. Uh, I can tell you being in the stadium, there was a, 
a real palpable tension in those last 10 or 15 minutes, as I think the fans knew what they were watching. They were watching the the end of Wondolowski's career. The, the special announcement had come over the PA, so folks knew to stick around for, you know, probably nothing to do with Andy Rios or anyone else on the team. They knew exactly who was going to be the subject of that special announcement. And, you know, seeing every ball that touched his feet and the, the gasp in the crowd as, as folks were waiting to see what happened, that's the kind of specialness that uh, Chris meant to the fans. And I think that, you know, San Jose means to him. And so I, I, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful, you know, testament to, to his popularity and to his effect on this club that, you know, the stadium was not full, but it was a lot more people than I've seen at games recently. So, you know, folks knew why they were here and, and, and they were treated to a nice show and, and seeing Wando get that goal. So a win would have been great. A, a 90 minute winner would have been fantastic. And then I think everyone was just wondering, when is he going to get that next touch? When is that next touch? But uh, we're all left with smiles knowing that uh, he put in such an amazing 17 year career. Honestly, uh, there, it, this is not the first year of Wando's career where I have, wanted him to take penalties even when he wasn't the strongest penalty taker on the team just so he could run up that total or that somebody else would weave a ball and let it run through to him you know i think wakes fans we almost wanted his success more than we wanted our own teams at certain points especially when things seemed lost um jamin you're obviously you know our our nerdy statistical analytical guy there is a actually a beautiful case to be made for some of uh chris wanowski's strengths in that area like particularly in receiving and positioning but I wanted to give you the opportunity to, you know, cast off that the stereotype of those clothes and give us your 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 feelings here about uh, what Wando meant to you and your your fandom of the club and your following him over the years. I think I've told the story publicly. I, I know I've certainly shared it in, a, in an article along the way. But to me, the thing that I learned really quickly about Chris Wondolowski was just how much of a giving person he was. Uh, you know, it, it was the Swansea City. Uh, a game where, you know, back at Buckshaw Stadium at a friendly where, you know, we were kind of new to everything. My son was really getting into soccer at that time and, and I wanted him to see live soccer. And uh, we had gone to an earthquakes game the year before and I said, you know, maybe we just need to start making this a regular thing. And, uh, you know, I took him to the to the Swansea City game. I want to say it was maybe the second one or third one that we had been to at that point. And after the game, I had uh, made sure he came with a Sharpie and, and, uh, and had uh, one of those little scorecard things back in the day. And uh, Wanda saw him all by himself standing there after the game with the Sharpie, not in the area where everyone used to be down in the tunnel for the autographs and things at Buckshaw. And Wanda jumped over the, the signboards and came over and, and gave him an autograph and asked his name. And, uh, you know, it was, I was just like, you know, do you know who just signed that? He's the leading goal scorer in MLS. And, you know, to me, like, as I got to see him over the years and then even got to be a part of the press to be able to, to even ask him questions and talk to him, you know, there was just so much about him that was warm and inviting. But when it came to the game, the, it was a completely different person. And the first time I asked him a post-game question, I thought his eyes were going to put a hole in me because we were in the locker room and Alex, you know what I'm talking about. And Robert, you do too. I think Colin, you do, right? Because we've all been in the locker room and asked that kind of post-game question of Wando after, particularly after a loss and particularly when he didn't feel he had played up to his standards. Right. And, uh, and, you know, he just gave me that look like, first off, 
who are you? Because I've never seen you in here before, probably. But the second of which is like, you know, that competitive fire was just so strong that, you know, he was still in that mode after the game. And then kind of after two or three questions, you can see him kind of start to release some of that and then start to kind of like get into the interview and be able to answer the questions. And one of the things that unfortunately has been, you know, both gained and lost in the past couple of years was, you know, the ability to do these types of post-game shows where, you know, the fans get to see the post-game presser. And I think that that part of this whole kind of thing has been really good that we have a show like Black and the Soul last year or Quakes Epicenter this year, and we can provide that type of coverage for the fans, I think is amazing. But one of the things that kind of gets lost is that kind of personal ability to have that kind of one-on-one -on -one type, type conversation and really kind of see the emotion of how the players in the locker room are feeling after the game. And the one thing I can tell you about Wando is, you know, just that intensity when you've felt it for the first time of that game intensity, uh, you know, it really is something that sets him apart from everybody else. Yeah, he there is a duality to Wando, which is away from soccer, soft, cuddly guy, you know, really laid back when he's in soccer mode. He's the least chill person that any of us have ever met. Um, but actually, and to his credit, he doesn't really put that on other people. Like when he was at, when he was mad after games, he wouldn't yell about the refs, his teammates, the, ref, uh, the coaches, whatever. And he certainly was never mad at media. If anything, he was unbelievably charitable with media and always was willing to be there, even in the very worst nights that were there. Um, and I think that that kind of speaks to the that do that kind of dual nature of him. He has a beautiful balance of it uh, and the humility, too. You know, I I mean, I, I, everybody here else is reporters as well. Um, so you, you've had that experience of being in the locker room with them or being at practices and whatever. You know, look, covering the club, there were times when like academy kids would big time me. You know, they thought they were, you know, a little bit too cool for school. Wando didn't ever think he was too cool for anybody. He was always there and showing up for it. And I think that that's like one of those great skills was, you know, he would just show up for the job and was always appreciative of everyone who, who cared about what he did because he got to play the game he loved his entire life. That's pretty cool. Um, anyway, uh, my, I don't necessarily have any particular Wando stories, but, you know, it was just that that kind of warmth you described, uh, Jamin, is, is something that we all kind of experienced, uh, coupled with the insane intensity of it. Um, and uh, But I, I am, I'm guessing that Robert Jonas might have a Wando story or two up his sleeve if you wanted to share any of them. And I'll go thinking. <laughs> I, I, as you were saying that, I knew you were going to ask me about that. And and I, th I think a lot of... Uh, what I've really grown to appreciate about Chris and, and getting, getting to know him through the years, you know, we've had numerous, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews where we've gotten to sit down and talk about, you know, soccer and life. Uh, you know, I think one of the most sort of sort of memorable for me interviews would have been, you know, they came right after the world cup and, and I mean, Wanda was not a popular person in the soccer world and, and he would, he had such humility about that moment and just his place in that moment and, and recognized that uh, as a striker, 
he felt he should have scored that goal and and he takes full-on responsibility for not doing it and it's going to be a moment that will forever be associated with his name but like you say he didn't shy away from it he didn't try to mask it he didn't get mad at it and it comes up in interview after interview i won't bring it up again but others will always bring it up and he takes it in stride and, and i think that's just a kind of a, a real testament to his uh you know to his even keeled his personality you know the the other part of it is uh you, you're right about his on-field personality and i and i i remember many many years ago at buckshaw stadium it was a game i think uh I can't remember if he scored one or it was maybe a two-goal game. Uh, Chris Leach was still a player on that team, not the uh, soon-to-be GM. And and that's not insider information. That's just me putting my vote in. Um, and and I was talking to uh, to both uh, Chris Leach and Chris Wondolowski about it. And each of them, you couldn't really describe anything about what happened in this game-winning goal because both go through that sort of blackout, as they call it. And what was funny is they, they kind of looked at each other in the locker room. Their lockers weren't too far apart. And I could see when I was asking the question, one look at the other. And then when I asked the other, the one looked back again as if they, let's get our story straight here. And I think they both said something that was similar enough that it sounded like they were kind of on the same page. But I'm not sure either one of them remembered it. And that's not the only time that I got a great blackout story. And by that, I mean not knowing, ex you know, not hearing exactly what happened. But it, it, did, it definitely spoke to Chris's uh, intensity on the field, something that... Uh, very few players can match and, and something that he should always be remembered for. Yeah. And, and he was intensely competitive down to those training drills, you know, if in his, yeah, obviously work on finishing and then his training, you know, he would get mad about it and he would scream and swear and, and be just a, a mess about it. Um, and, but, you know, we all knew that off the field, he was, you know, you know, just a total quintessential family guy. Although we, we do have to like shout out the athletic article about Chris Wondolowski where all of his old former teammates dating, you know, way back to his Chico days, De La Salle days, uh, were telling stories about him, uh, about what a fun guy he is off the field, because I think that kind of fills in the rest of the personality uh, that we perhaps only saw a part of. But I think that we maybe saw it most acutely when he was in the ultras with his shirt off, which is, you know, more or less exactly what he's destined to be. Because I don't think I can see him having any less intensity uh, and passion for the game than he does today, be it as a player, as a fan, as a whatever else. It just doesn't seem like in his nature to be able to drop that. Uh, I don't think any of us know what, what's next for him, but Jamin Moore, do you have any proposals for what we should do next with Wando? Well, I know that uh, everyone would love to see him stay involved in the club. But, you know, I, I actually kind of think that uh, right now soccer doesn't do the things that other sports should do, which is have more specialty coaches. We have goalkeeper coaches. Why not striker coaches? Why not midfield coaches? Why not defensive coaches? And I do feel that, you know, to be a case for that would be Chris Wondolowski. Who better to train a generation of potentially U.S. national team strikers or nothing else Strikers for the San Jose Earthquakes and Chris Wondolowski. One way, obviously, to do that, uh, you know, since that's probably not going to be the way it would work, is, you know, get him into the academy, really kind of make that impression on young people, not just about, you know, how to play striker, but how to approach the game, how to approach it when you do actually finally get in front of the media, how to handle, you know, fan requests and interactions and all those kinds of stuff like He's the kind of guy who can kind of help that next generation uh, really be able to prepare themselves for life as professionals. Um, and I can't think of a better person, honestly, to be able to do that. If I if I was Greg Berhalter, to be quite honest, I would bring in Wanda to probably every single national team 
uh, anything, if nothing else, because who can better tell them about how to behave as professionals, as U.S. national team players, how to handle disappointment? No one's handled more disappointment than Chris Wondolowski when it comes to the national team, let's be honest. So is there anybody who can better train young players into how to be the best kind of professionals they can be? I don't know of anyone uh, it, that that's in the game today that could really do that as well as he could. And, you know, but fortunately for us, he's involved with the San Jose earthquakes. And since probably those other things will not happen, you know, maybe the, the thing that will happen is the impressionable youth that are coming in now, like the U 17 and, and uh, U-19s and even back to the, the 14s and 15s and 16s, you know, they can certainly get exposed in Tawanda. Maybe he rotates through, uh, you know, uh, to the different academy teams and such and, and, and just spends time with each one and coaching individual players who have that real potential to be able to make it to another level and help those that maybe are on the bubble you know, get them what they need in order to push them forward. I would just love to see him interact with the youth, whether that's older youth, younger youth, doesn't so much matter as much. I just think he's got so much to offer in that area. You know, I would hate to see him just, you know, retire to his house and play Sunday league ball. And, and you know, we don't see him involved in the club at all because I just feel like he's got that much more to offer. But I also wouldn't be disappointed if if he got involved in a more national you know, level with the sport as, as well. Well, Jurgen Klinsmann frequently did call him into the U.S. team and say exactly that, which is, look, you know, he might be the 22nd or 23rd man out of 23 on the roster, but who better to have to show and to model for the younger guys who are getting called in? Absolutely. Uh, and he hasn't, you know, he's actually, you know, he's talked about potential youth coaches, talked about uh, potential scouting as a role, whatever it is. He's earned it. He can do whatever the heck he wants. I think that for his sake, I hope he doesn't go into first team management just because that can be a miserable line of work. Uh, and I think that it would drive him nuts. And I don't think that he likes being on a whiteboard or, you know, spending his time in press conferences and whatnot. I think that he he wants to be out in a field. So I hope that he gets the chance to do that. But I will give one. Uh, so first of all, I, I get a note here that we do expect to have a press conference. We don't know exactly who's going to be a part. We hope, of course, that Wanda will be, and we'll get it to you when we can. Um, but what I wanted to turn this to is uh, mentoring youth uh, actually presents a good pivot point here because Kate Cowell is someone who he took under his wing this year, uh, also a Northern California boy, a striker, very different in terms of his skill set. Kate Cowell has every physical gift in the world, whereas Wando didn't. Um, but you can imagine that if he had Wanda, you know, if he can take osmosis in enough of the wandoness that he could become a real special player. So Alex Morgan, it sounded like you had something you were going to go with. So you can go ahead with that as well. But I also want to toss you the Kate Cowell point. Well, I, I just first want to say that uh, the, the thing that needs to happen before any of these other conversations start uh, is that they need to get the measurements for the statue. Um, I think they need to do that while he's still in peak shape uh, so that it can start, start building that, put it up somewhere near the bar or somewhere on Wando way. Uh, so that's, I think that's the first order of business. Um, as you say, Colin, I think that Wando has earned the right to do whatever he wants in retirement. I, for one, completely understand if he wants to step away from the game entirely for a little while. I know that for everyone involved in professional soccer over the last couple of years, it's been an incredible, 
incredibly trying and difficult time. Um, you know, and I think that I'm, I'm straining to imagine someone, a player who has sort of subjected themselves to as much frustration and, uh, you know, struggle over the last decade as Wando has. So I, I completely understand if he wants to sort of retire from the professional soccer life for a while. Uh, with that said, um, I, you know, I think Jamin articulated it very well, just how much he can still offer San Jose and how much everybody would love to have him uh, be and remain a part of this community. And I think you've already seen, you're already starting to see the ways in which he's impacted young guys like Cade Cowell. Um, you know, Cade Cowell has talked a lot about the ways in which Chris Wondolowski has, you know, explicitly and, and also, you know, just through, uh, his leadership through being a role model, you know, taught him how to be a striker. You know, Cade Cowell, I don't think is a natural number nine. I think he has the uh, sort of qualities of a winger with the pace and with the power. And, you know, Wando has helped teach him how to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think the growth that we've seen from Cade Cowell over the last year and a half uh, is really significant. And, you know, I think. Cade still has a long way to go before uh, he can reach his potential, before he can, you know, make that leap to Europe. Uh, but I think that the habits and the professionalism and the sort of mindset that Wando has helped impart on him and has helped shared with him is going to give him the foundation to do that. It's going to give him the right uh, sort of frame of mind and, uh, the right skills to be able to make himself that better player. Uh, because I just think Wando is, is in every way the you know, consummate professional and exemplar of what it means to be a leader and a role model and a, a professional soccer player. Kate Cowell, as I said, totally different animal in terms of skill sets. And I think that in some ways that mentality that Wando has only comes in people who don't have the physical gifts and they need to have that persistence. Uh, and that's why, you know, that's why Chris Wondolowski didn't really break through until he's 27 years old. It's just, he's indefatigable, uh, fatigable. He's just completely uh, nonplussed about any challenge in his way. So hopefully that can rub off on the other guys. Um, you know, there's, I do want to say uh, briefly that we have some awesome comments in the chat. The most recent one from uh, John Jay actually is about this exact point, which is I understand the talk about Cade, but what about Benji? Uh, same kind of story there. I actually think Benji, well, Benji also way more physical tools and talents than Wando ever had. Uh, but that's another guy who, if he's, if he learns at the knee of the master, you can imagine him coming through. You can imagine Jeremy Abobasi again way more gifted than Wando is on, you know, in so many ways. Uh, you know, the, these, this is what I think Quakes fans are hoping for. But I think that the universal sentiment that we're hearing today is, you know, enjoy it, Wando. Do, you know, do whatever fills your heart. Um, I do want to pivot a little bit, though, back to the game itself. Uh, we are hearing, by the way, that Almeida is currently talking to the team and will be on afterwards. And uh, but the uh, Sorry, go ahead, Alex. I, I was just going to say, it could be Matias Almeida's last press conference as Absolutely. manager of the San Jose Earthquakes. I don't want that, that to get lost in, in that no, this no, could absolutely. also be Matias Almeida's last game. So encourage everyone to stick around for that. 
Yeah, so so I'm going to start, though, with Robert and this game itself. Uh, I think that after we get the Almeida presser, we'll deep dive deep into like the future of the quick. Because look, it is we haven't talked about it yet. And Alex is right to bring it up. This could be a major point of transition for the tr- franchise. A new GM is likely to be named shortly. Uh, Almeida could well leave uh, soon. There's a lot of players who are going to be coming off the books. This could be a major transition point, not just because of Wando, but all these other dimensions. But for the game on the night. Robert, in the stadium, what was the experience like? What stood out to you? Uh, you know, that, that atmosphere of a game that really doesn't matter for the standings, but was nonetheless kind of enjoyable. What do you think? Yeah, I think you saw looseness out there on the field. Um, it didn't seem that uh, the guys were, you know, following a, you know, a specific set of directions on how they were supposed to play, but rather there was a little bit more of that, you know, what Ahmed often speaks about as, you know, the, the joy of playing, you know, getting out and, and doing what you can do. You know, we, we definitely saw there be a lot more focus in, in seeing if Wando can't, could get his touches, but, but other guys were also, you know, you know, Nathan bombing forward on occasion, and and we've seen that before. You know, when we when Cade came in as a, a substitute, he really put a lot of effort out there. He had that one breakaway in the first half that you you felt that was the kind of goal that a a polished striker is going to finish. But you know, he just came up short on that one, hit, hit it over the goal. Um, and some of the other guys as well. You know, I mean. Tanner Beeson is a, is a player I've been watching intently over these last couple of years this year, especially as he's been getting more and more opportunities. You know, he has such a good background, a good soccer IQ developed at Stanford University under Jeremy Gunn that, you know, that's a guy the Quakes didn't develop necessarily, but he's going to turn into maybe a real rock in that defensive back line, a guy we're going to be talking about in the future. Um, there were some uh, some grumbling and rumbling about seeing Daniel Vega out there. I don't think that was uh, anyone's first choice for goalkeeper, but uh, he uh, comported himself well enough and, and got lucky when Pepe missed the, uh, the, the penalty, so he didn't uh, look too bad in the stat sheet uh, accordingly. So uh, Game-wise, you know, I think people were really invested in the game. And, and then as we got closer to the end, it, it started devolved into just the Wando show. But when things were really humming and really flowing, it was, you know, shot after shot after shot. This is a team that was just flying forward and just having fun on a day where the, where the win or a loss wasn't going to really matter to them. Yeah. So, Alex, we, we've talked about this before, but attacking patterns, you know, are something that are actually also a structure, too. You know, we always talk about structure and defense. Uh, we don't talk about attacking patterns so much in attack. They actually kind of look like they had attacking patterns today, and I hadn't seen it much all season. So I was curious what you had to think, you know, what you had to say about the fact that they actually seem to move the ball around with some purpose. You had to bring that up, Colin, by the way. Yeah, I did. But go ahead, but go ahead Alex. I, I don't know if we can read too much into this one, Colin, but I like the way that Marcos Lopez was overlapping down the left. Uh, he's a guy that has a really bright future uh, who I think at times – uh, I wondered why he wasn't uh, appearing as much this season. Uh, but uh, towards the end of this year, I think he's begun to pick up his form again, gain some momentum. Uh, so that's a positive sign. Uh, I thought that the interplay between Jeremy Abobasi uh, and, you know, Chofis and the midfielders was positive. That's something that I'm looking forward to uh, for next season. Uh, but I don't know how much the, specific attacking patterns themselves are going to stick Colin. Uh, this game felt very much uh, like a last hurrah for Matias Almeida um, with the way they were sort of chaotically throwing uh, players forward and also sometimes forgetting to defend. Um, the goal that they allowed was almost comical in that uh, there were 
11 men in the final third and uh, oh, 10 outfield players in the final third. And, and, and nobody, for some reason, thought uh, that they should defend the goal. So uh, that was a, a bit of a crazy one. But uh, I, I think it's a, a nice summary of how the last three years have been for, for San Jose. I was going to say, the, the, fun, the fun thing about that one is with Matias Almeida, it is unclear whether or not somebody genuinely missed an assignment and should have been back there or if that was the plan all along. <laughs> and that's the Almeida experience, right? Is, you know, he's, he's all in. Um, Jamin Moore, anything stick out to you there? Does this, was there anything that kind of seemed like it was building towards something or was this kind of a going through the motions kind of experience? Well, first off, uh, it's it, funny that that the whole thing happened because Matias Almeida talks very fondly about the MLS's back tournament, and it probably was as his as him coaching this team. It was probably like their best kind of you know string of games and moments that I think showed what he thought that this team ought to be. The problem was Magnus Eriksson left after the tournament was done, so you know that was kind of the issue there. Um, but, but uh, you know, my, my point with the MLS is back is that that actually happened once at the MLS is back tournament. And we asked Almeida after the game and he seemed to indicate like, yeah, that was the situation. That's what we wanted in that particular situation. As, you know, kind of the probabilities are going through my head about this, you know, two, two to 3% probability of scoring a goal off of a corner against a, I don't know, 35% probability of a fast break going the other way, being a goal when you have nobody back. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, sometimes Matias's uh, probability math uh, can be a bit frustrating. But, you know, you're right, Colin. One of the things about, a, uh, about uh, Marcel Bielsa, who is his uh, mentor, is that Bielsa uh, trains his teams very rigorously in there's 13 different ways to score a goal. And, and in fact, I, when I write for American Soccer Analysis, I've identified 12 different goal types. Um, I don't think I've ever seen in print all 13 of them, although I have said, seen uh you know clips and coaches showing like you know how to train your players and different things the Mar marcelo bielsa way but at the same time like you would think that those attacking patterns would be something that he would have brought with him uh you know in in from his time with bielsa and that would have left that kind of impression given how much of uh, bielsa has left an impression on matias almeida but for some reason like it does you know sometimes boggle the mind at how little we see of attacking patterns this felt a little bit, I don't know if uh, any of you guys really remember it, but uh, are very well, but the last game of the 2018 season was against Colorado and a 0-0 draw at uh, Avaya Stadium at the time. And um, Wando was at that point one short of the record of, of tying Landon Donovan. And the whole game was about get the ball to Wando in different ways. The byproduct of trying to get the ball to Wando different ways was that a bunch of attacking patterns came out that we hadn't seen the entire season. It was actually really good soccer, despite the fact that they never actually scored because the whole point was to get Wando the ball. But they knew they had to like distract people from Wando in order to get it to Wando. And that really kind of felt like at times what they were trying to do tonight was they wanted to get him a hat trick if they could have. He had picked out three goal songs. They wanted to use them all. And I think Wando wanted to use them all. And so it felt to me like we saw those patterns come out because they want to kind of distract you away from Wando and then all of a sudden get the ball to Wando. He probably had more touches. Colin, you know this because you and I have talked about the Wando touches for years. He probably had more touches tonight than he's had in any game in the last two, three, four years. You know, it's been a long time. He touched the ball a lot in the box tonight and even outside the box 
he facilitated a bit and then helped move the ball. That's a Wando that I actually kind of wanted to see a bit more of in the past couple of years. So we're getting an update right now. So give me one second. Uh, well, Jamie gets that update. Totally agree. It was kind of schoolyard soccer. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. I think that there's kind of an organic creativity that you can sometimes get on a soccer pitch uh, that can be tactically constrained by a coach. Today, no constraints, no handrail or, you know, no, no handbrake. It was just full go. Um, and we saw some kind of exciting soccer there. But it is, I think we would do well to ask about whether or not this has anything to do with the future because we might not have a future without Matias Almeida uh, and a fair number of the players. Alex, please. I do want to say there was one comment uh, from Marcelo that was insightful about the, I think it was either a tan suit or a gray suit that Matias wore tonight was the same suit that he wore at his introductory press conference felt like there must've been some symbolism there. I know that Matias's sartorial choices have been hotly debated over the course of his three years in San Jose, um, be it the purple sweater, the yellow shorts. So uh, it, it seems fitting that this uh, could symbolize his, his goodbye, his, his uh, way of saying thank you to, to the, the Quakes fans. Absolutely. And we also, of course, uh, uh, well, I certainly noticed after the game that he appeared to be a little bit on the outside of the Wando celebration, which was a little bit interesting to me just because of how aligned they are in terms of their philosophy of total commitment. Um, but all, uh, I also wanted to uh, send it back to Jamin for an update from Quakes PR. Yeah, sorry, I, I trailed off there because I all of a sudden had Jake in my ear getting the update here. So uh, what he shared with us is that uh, there is going to be another press conference on Tuesday and he's expecting and that's that's a typical thing the club does kind of be kind of a season end press conference. And he's expecting that Wando is going to want to talk with us then and probably not tonight. But he did want to emphasize that they're trying to move things along as quickly as possible and we're going to at least get uh, Matias Almeida should at least get one, maybe two players tonight. And that's still to come. But he didn't believe that tonight would end up being Wando. Um, and this is the first we're getting this information. So we're sharing it with you literally as soon as we get it. Uh, please stick around, though, because certainly Matias Almeida, I think uh, this is a good opportunity to really kind of ask him, does he expect to be the coach of the San Jose Earthquakes next season and other questions you know, relating to that and uh, you know, an opportunity maybe to, to get to talk to a couple of players, you know, that we won't get to talk to on Tuesday more, more than likely. I mean, guess is that they're going to try to get us different players either tonight or on Tuesday as well. And of course, if you're a Quakes Epicenter subscriber, let me just uh, mention whether we're able to carry that live or not, depending upon when they schedule it and things like that. One of the things that we will do is uh, provide the press conference and upload that uh, to all the Quakes Epicenter videos, subscribers, everyone. It's a $5 patron on up. We'll have access to the full press conference. Actually, let me, I'll just throw the rules out the window. If you're a patron of Quakes Epicenter, $2 on up, whatever comes in the Tuesday press conference, we will share with you. And I'm just going to, to extend it as a thank you to, to everyone who's been a patron this season, regardless of your level. Um, but, uh, but, but that is something that we'll try to do. If there's a way that we can carry it or if some noteworthy news coming out of that, you know, then we'll see what the best way to get information to you all is. But I wanted to share with you that particular update. But Amanda's still to come, and we'll see about the players don't have a, a definitive on the players yet. 
Um, thanks, Jamin. And uh, I'm going to turn this back to Robert, because Robert, we haven't had you on the show in a while. You haven't been uh, publishing as, a, you know, as, you know, voluminously as you have in certain years past. I imagine that you've had a lot of Quake's thoughts in your mind in recent months. Is there anything that you see about where this club is headed uh, or where you want it to? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a night of uh, what feels like will be many changes. You know, you've got the the shadow of Wondolowski's retirement, and I think it can't be understated just how important he is to that team in the training uh, room, in in on the field, you know, in practice, on on the uh, on every you know, road trip they're taking. You know, he has such a, a good role model status for them. You've got a coach that you know rightfully should be feeling a bit embattled in his position. You know, he's he's one of the most tenured coaches in MLS right now. You know, he's been uh, like number seven or number eight on the list of coaching tenure and, you know, missed the playoffs two out of three years and and, and barely kind of made it in in that third year. Um, a guy who, you know, like you say, seems like he's got a, a foot out the door sort of hinting about it. And and it, it, that could also be a sort of another you know, big transition. And I, I said it earlier, you know, this this club still doesn't officially have a general manager. You know, they, they fired Jesse, you know, nearly half a year ago with and then promised that they would have somebody in probably by September. And it, it, it's very disappointing that, you know, the Quakes weren't able to, uh, to make the move. Maybe they were being uh, kind of left at the altar with some of their candidates, but then we look at the list of candidates and it wasn't a, a who's who, but, uh, you know, some of those guys have gotten jobs, you know, in around MLS. And, you know, I ran into Chris Leach today and, and just asked him point blank, you know, are you the GM? And all he could say is, or gave me a laugh and a smile and said, I sure hope to be. And, and, and it feels like that's the same update we've, we've been having for months. So, you, you know, until these types of uncertainties, these, these various shadows that are that are being cast right now um, start to uh, to be uh, kind of taken away by by brighter lights. You know, it, it feels like it's going to be a, a really challenging offseason. So what, what I have uh, missed in writing, uh, Colin, I've been definitely, uh, you know, keeping in my thoughts. So there, there will certainly be some writing in the future. There was a much needed hiatus to uh, kind of bring back some of my uh, creative juices. So we'll see more. Don't worry. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I mean, and by the way, it certainly sounds based on what the national writers are suggesting like Sam called that and kind of our general impression here as well that it seems like Chris Leach probably is the front runner at this point even though uh, you'd think that they might have just named him already if they were going to given that he was already in the building uh, and they wouldn't need to like worry about a contract situation somewhere else I I've also heard the suggestion that they're perhaps saving it for an off-season positive news story uh, once the stink of this season has washed away which you know, wouldn't be necessarily the worst idea in the world. Um, and and we will absolutely, for all of you who are watching today and our patrons, we will dive deep in uh, once that announcement is made. I will do my customary off-season article where I make recommendations about how to manage the roster. We'll analyze Chris Leacher or whomever it is that they uh, nail, you know, however they put into that position. Uh, but Robert, I didn't want to leave it uh, leave you just there though, because you gave us a little bit of a you know of an observation about what has been coming around. I'm curious what you think the next move is from here. I think that you and I are probably aligned on the idea that Matias Almeida, whether or not he can be a good coach somewhere else, isn't the right man for the next several years of the Quakes. Right. Uh, so what are you looking for uh, from a coach? What are you looking for from a GM, either in terms of individual names or in terms of what their approach should be, their philosophy? Yeah, yeah. And a very timely airplane, of course. Um, so, you know, it's... 
I, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be one to chase Mateus out of town. I'll say it that way. Although I, I definitely I disagree with maybe some of his approach as a coach. And I mean that more kind of in his, his, his way of kind of building culturally, you know, some of the aspects of San Jose. It's been a very interesting time for media to cover this team. And, and I think for Mateus, it's actually probably been to his liking that he doesn't get a lot of scrutiny, doesn't have guys at the training field. So having, you know, having, uh, you know, some certainty about whether or not Mateus is going to be back for me is square one you know, or, or step number one. If, if he drags on a decision, I think that just puts this quake, you know, this team further in a hole. Um, Alex Morgan, where do the quakes go from here? First of all, I'm just hearing that Matias Almeida is uh, on his way shortly. He just finished addressing the team. Uh, so that's first order of business. Uh, where the Quakes go from here is that they need to uh, hire a general manager, Colin. They can't do anything uh, before that happens. They can't make a decision about Matias before that happens. Uh, and the fact that it's taken so long maybe suggests that it's not Chris Leach. Um, if it were Chris Leach to be named general manager, uh, doesn't make as much sense why they've waited this long. Uh, but I'm expecting that we will find out shortly within the next uh, couple weeks uh, so that the Quakes can start to go about their offseason business. They have, as you say, Colin, so many contracts coming off the books uh, this winter. You know, obviously the focus on Chris Wondolowski tonight, but there are a lot of other players who are probably playing their last Quakes game as well. Uh, Andy Rios was probably playing his last Quakes game. Uh, unsure about whether that might have been Shea Salinas' last Quakes game. He obviously wasn't able to play. Uh, as was mentioned in the chat, he was injured tonight. Uh, unfortunate that he didn't get to share the field with Wando one more time. Uh, but there are lots of players who probably won't don a Quakes jersey again. And this offseason is going to be a huge transition uh, for the Quakes organization. Uh, from top to bottom, um, I'm curious about how they're structuring the front office as well. Uh, I think that I would like to see them name a president, name a club president, uh, so that they can have someone at the top uh, directing the soccer operations and the sort of business side and uh, sort of putting that into one coherent vision going forward. I think that one of the things that we saw over the last year or two years was that the lack of a clear hierarchy uh, in the organization uh, made it difficult to understand what was going on and grasp whether there was a clear vision and a clear plan for how the club were conducting their business and moving forward. So that in difficult situations, like when Jesse Fiorinelli was fired, they kind of just dropped the ball and didn't communicate what was going to happen uh, and have obviously taken a long time uh, to be able to make a decision about the next general manager. I think everybody expected that that decision would have been made. And they they suggested that that decision uh, was supposed to have been made months ago. So I see that as uh, sort of a shortcoming of the front office. And you know, even if they don't see the need to hire a president in order to fix that, I would like to see more clarity uh, about the roles and responsibilities and and uh, clear delineation of who's in charge of what uh, so that there's more accountability uh, for this organization in 
the next era, the next phase of this club, whatever that be. Um, I think those are probably the main things I'd like to see. Now it looks like we're going to be speaking with Matias. Let's go ahead and jump right into questions with Robert Jonas. Uh, thank you. Uh, can you hear me? Oops, hold on. Uh, Robert, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Mateus. Thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us tonight. Uh, my question centers around kind of a broader uh, topic of the season as a whole. Um, the team missed the playoffs again, the second in three seasons with you in charge. And I know you have one more year on your contract. How does what happened this season set you up with your uh, for your future with the earthquakes and what goals are you setting for next season bueno creo que el primer año me faltó un partido para entrar a playoff I think the first year we just needed one more game to make it into playoffs. Donde habíamos agarrado un equipo que había ganado solo cuatro partidos en un año. Where we inherited a team that only won four games in one year. Se provocó un cambio grande. A big change was provoked. Y estuvimos competitivos hasta el último partido que quedamos eliminados con Portland. And we were competitive to the last match uh, where we were eliminated by Portland. El segundo año prácticamente con el mismo equipo. The following year with pretty much the same team. Fuimos a jugar a Orlando. We went to Orlando to play there. Donde tuvimos una buena participación. Where we had a good showing. Eh, donde entramos a, a la parte final del torneo. Where we got to the final part of that tournament. El año pasado con todos los inconvenientes de la pandemia eh, entramos a playoff. Last year with all the inconveniences of the pandemic we still made it to playoffs. Este año fue un año bastante particular. This year was pretty particular. Y bueno, fuimos por momentos muy competitivos, por momentos no tanto. For moments we were competitive, for other moments not so much. Eh, seguramente un año de aprendizaje en muchos aspectos. Surely it's a year of lessons in many aspects. Pero también viendo la, los equipos que quedaron afuera de este torneo con las inversiones que hicieron, digo que nosotros podríamos haber estado también adentro. Looking at the team that didn't make it to playoffs this year with all of their investments, I say, well, we could have been there. Pero bueno, no deja de ser un año también de, de aprendizaje para lo que viene. But it's a year full of lessons for what's to come. Thank you, Matias. Let's go to Alex Morgan. Hi, Matias. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, first of all, uh, as a brief aside, I want to mention that I like the suit you are wearing. It reminds me of the suit that you wore on the day that you were introduced as the coach for San Jose. So I don't know if that was intentional or not, but if it was, it did not go unnoticed. Um, my actual question uh, is what it felt like to uh, participate in Chris Wondolowski's uh, last match uh, for the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, you know, it wasn't entirely clear to us whether or not uh, he was going to be retiring uh, and whether that decision was made 
in the middle of the game or not uh, was unclear to us. But you know how you experienced uh, today's events and and you know celebrating Chris Wondolowski and watching him score that last goal uh, is what I'm wondering about what that was like for you. Antes de la pregunta dijo que eh, eh, le gusta mucho tu traje, que se dio cuenta que es el eh, que es parecido al primer traje que cuando te presentaste, dice que no sabe si eh, eso fue algo propósito o no, pero es algo que notó. Eh, la pregunta es eh, cómo viviste la despedida de Bondo, eh, que la prensa no tenía claro si se iba a retirar o no, pero cómo viviste eh, estar en ese partido y poder festejar un gol más de, de Bondo. Bueno, la primera sí es verdad. Eh, gran observación. The first, uh, so the first thing, great observation. Y me lo puse por eso. And that's why I put it on. Primero me lo puse por eso y segundo porque venía a una fiesta. Firstly, I put, uh, put it on for that, and secondly, because I was coming to a party. Por lo general, cuando voy a una fiesta, trato de, de ponerme la mejor ropa que considero que tengo. Normally, when I go to a party, I try to put on what I consider to be my best clothes. Por eso me había puesto este traje el día que llegué a San Jose. That's why I put this suit on the day I arrived in San Jose. Eh, muy en mi I can see that you guys are very, um, there's a lot of attention into my, how I dress. Entonces digo que ojalá que John lo escuche así me viste de Gap. So hopefully John hears you guys out so he dresses me in Gap clothes. <laughs> o de Banana Republic. Or wearing Banana Republic. Eh, la segunda creo que he sido un afortunado. So the second part I think I was um, very fortunate. Recién le comentaba a los jugadores que estuve en tres despedidas en mi vida. I was just telling the players that I've been in three farewell matches in my eh, life. Una como jugador fue la despedida de Kuman en Holanda. One was as a player was Ronald Kuman in, in Holland. Justo fui a, a jugar con Alasio y bueno lo despedían a él. I played there um, with Lazio and they happened to be it happened to be his farewell match. Después tuve una despedida para mí del mejor jugador de, de la historia que es Maradona. And then I was in the farewell match of who I consider to be the greatest player is y, Maradona. Y hoy me tocó como entrenador. Eh, por segunda vez, porque la primera vez despedí a Omar, que hoy integra el cuerpo técnico cuando jugaba en Banfield. And this is the, my second time as a coach, because the first one was for Omar, who is now on my coaching staff, when he was playing in uh, Banfield. Esa fue la primera despedida como entrenador que tuve. That was my first farewell match I had as a coach. Y hoy una despedida especial. And today's a special farewell. Porque eh, pude dirigir tres años al goleador histórico de este país because I was able to coach uh, for three years the all-time leading goal scorer in this country creo que te va a reconocer realmente todo lo que hizo con el correr del tiempo I think um, as time goes on everybody will recognize what he's done me hubiese encantado dirigirlo con menos años a Chris I would have liked to have coached him when he was younger Disfruté de dirigirlo, lo entendí, acepté como es. I learned how to uh, coach him, I accepted I, uh, how he is. Y no tengo más que palabras de agradecimiento para su persona. And I only have uh, great words for how he is as a person. Como profesional, en tres años nos dio 30 goles. As a professional, in three years he's given us 30 goals. Siempre fue primero en los entrenamientos. He was always first in training. Y me hubiese encantado que él eh, hubiese levantado una copa con nosotros. And I would have loved for him to um, lift a trophy with us. 
Cuando existen esta clase de ídolos, when these sort of icons exist, son respetados. They're respected. Y son respetados a nivel en cada partido. And they're respected each game. Deben ser respetados porque nacieron acá. They should be respected because they were born here. Y va a ser difícil que o va a llevar un tiempo para que algún joven rompa el récord que hizo Chris. It's going to be difficult. It's going to take time for a youngster to break Chris's record. Y me parece que al haber nacido acá, I believe having um, since he was born here, seguramente el reconocimiento debe ser el triple de lo que le pudimos hacer nosotros con respecto a mucha gente. Surely the recognition should be three times as much as we did today. Ojalá que lo valoren y se lo hagan. Hopefully uh, he's valued and they do it. Thank you, Matias. Next question from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hi, Coach. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for sharing the story about the suit. I really enjoy the purple sweater uh, that you that you have been wearing. Um, the question I wanted to ask you tonight was: uh, You had shared with us how difficult this season has been, uh, particularly that it started with the passing of your father and the difficulties with your family in Argentina. Um, and uh, obviously, the season has not been easy at all. At this point, what do you feel about uh, the offseason coming up? Uh, and do you see yourself having the motivation to come back next year and be able to be the coach of the San Jose Earthquakes uh, for the fourth season of your contract? Are you motivated? And do you feel that the offseason will help you uh, regain any motivation that you may have lost due to its difficulty? Thank you. Porque, eh, primero, gracias por compartir la historia de Dice que últimamente estuvo disfrutando mucho tu, eh, el suéter que estás usando. Y la pregunta de hijo que vos has compartido, que ha sido un año muy difícil por la situación personal que ha pasado con tu padre y el momento que vive tu familia en Argentina. Eh, ahora, yendo a las vacaciones, si pensás que ahora puedes puede tener un poco de tiempo de por ahí eh, encontrar algo de motivación, uno puede perder tras la situación que, que vivió. Bueno, realmente gracias por la por esta cómo llamarlo por esta observación humana. Thank you, firstly, for this uh, human observation. Muchas veces nos detenemos solo en los resultados y, y la parte humana queda al margen y yo lo vivo al revés, por eso te agradezco mucho. Many times we just look at the results and the human part is left aside and I live it the other way around so that's why I thank you. Yo estoy viviendo el año más triste de mi vida. I'm living the most the, the saddest year of my life. Con un dolor interior enorme. With huge uh, pain inside. A la vez con una aceptación de saber que mi papá está en un lugar mejor. At the same time I'm accepting it knowing my father's in a better place. Eh, con mucha bronca por la manera en la cual falleció mi padre. With great anger due to the fact of how my father passed away. En su momento lo hice público. And, and back then I made it public. Donde digo que si hubiese sido vacunado, por ahí lo tenía. Where I can say, if maybe if he was vaccinated, he might still be here. A la vez le tengo que agradecer a Dios porque hoy estaría lamentándome la muerte de mi madre también. At the same time, I'm grateful to God because I could have also been uh, right now experiencing the death of my mother as well. En el momento que fallecía mi padre, mi madre estaba también luchando por su vida. When my father passed away, my mother was also fighting for her life. Entonces miro, miro lo bueno. So I look at the good. Tengo a mi madre viva y bueno, 
Mi padre ha dejado un gran legado como ser humano. My mother's alive and my father has left a great legacy as a human. Y esto hizo que dedicara más tiempo al fútbol que en otros momentos. And this has made me dedicate more time on football more than other times. Que estudiara más fútbol. It made me study more football. Eh, porque buscaba una alegría. Because I was looking for joy. Más allá de la alegría que me dan mis hijas, mi mujer. Beyond the joy that my daughters and my wife give me. Y el resto de mi familia. And the rest of my family. Los jugadores eh, tuvieron una gran voluntad. The, great, the players had a great willingness. Y la vida muchas veces nosotros programamos cosas y después salen al revés de lo que programamos. And in life many times you plan things out, but they work out um, completely the other way. Entonces no deja de ser un año de aprendizaje en todos los aspectos. So it's a year full of lessons in every aspect. Un año que me demuestra una vez más reponerme de situaciones feas. It's a year that again life has shown me how to overcome ugly situations. Con respecto al deporte, el fútbol es así. A veces se gana, a veces se pierde, a veces se empata. And regarding the sporting part, this is the way football is. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes you tie. Y yo soy un simple entrenador. I'm simply a coach. Y soy un empleado. And I'm an employee. Entonces, eh, siempre queda abierto todo con respecto a esto. So, everything is always open with this. Soy un agradecido a San José. I'm grateful to San Jose. Que me da la posibilidad de trabajar de lo que me gusta. Who gives me the chance uh, to work doing what I like. Y ellos saben que hubiese dado muchísimo por conseguir ese anillo que tienen todos <laughs> eh, de victoria. And Pero bueno, si no es ahora, será en otro momento. And they know I would have done a ton of things to get that championship ring, but if it's not now, it'll be later on. Me queda un, un tramo más con respecto a esta parte difícil que estoy viviendo. I have another chapter with this difficult part I'm living que es el día que regrese a Argentina a entrar a casa de mi padre y que no esté él. Which is when I get back to Argentina I have to go to my father's house and he won't be there. Eh, pero lo tengo que cerrar. But that's something I have to close. Así que trabajo para eso y y seguramente estaré preparado para soportar ese ese momento también. But I'll work on that and surely I'll have to tolerate that moment as well. Thank you Matias. We take one more in English from Michael Roberson. All right, buenas noches in Trinidad. Buenas noches. Okay. All right. So, uh, you know, over the years that you've been here, I've asked you what it's like to coach a legend, Wando. Uh, what will it be like, or what do you predict it would be like next year, stepping on that field and not having that legend there? And how would you be coaching then with the youngsters? Eh, dice que en los años que vos estuviste acá, le estuvo preguntando eh, cómo es entrenador, es cómo es el entrenador de una leyenda como Wando. Ahora te pregunta cómo va a ser volviendo el año que viene eh, sin que esté esa leyenda. Bueno, creo que yo pude disfrutar de entrenarlo. I think I was able to enjoy coaching him. Eh, tenemos una excelente relación humana y deportiva. We have an excellent relationship in the humane part and the sporting. Ha sido un gran profesional, Chris. Chris has been a great professional. Eh, y bueno, creo que se va un goleador. A goal scorer is leaving. Los goleadores son difíciles de reemplazar, sobre todo él. It's difficult to replace a goal scorer, especially him. Eh, y ojalá, bueno, que nuestros jóvenes hayan eh, aprendido en este último tiempo 
el camino que recorrió Wando para terminar su carrera así. And hopefully uh, the youngsters we have have recognized the path that Chris has taken to get where he's at and Chris follow it. Deja un gran legado. Chris leaves behind them a huge legacy. Y lo más lindo que se puede dejar en el fútbol, legado. And a legacy is the nicest thing you can leave in football. Muchos dejan títulos. Many people leave titles. Muchos dejan números eh, realmente grandes. Many people leave uh, huge numbers behind. Pero él deja un legado especial. But he leaves a special legacy. Es el goleador eh, histórico. He's the all-time leading goal scorer. Entonces creo que con el tiempo él y mucha gente se van a dar cuenta lo lo bueno que fue. So I think with time him and many other people will realize how good that was. Thank you, Matias. We're going to switch over to the Spanish portion and take two questions, starting with Carlos Istis. Matias, eh, buenas noches. Eh, yo, yo más que preguntarte algo, eh, quiero dejarlo abierto eh, para algún mensaje. Se cierra la temporada. Eh, más allá de lo que suceda, eh, se cierra un ciclo, se cierra un ciclo con Wondo. Ha, ha habido mucha eh, expectativa con, con todo lo que ha sido el entorno, pero eh, primero, un mensaje para, para la gente que lo siguió, que los estuvo viendo, eh, y darte esa plataforma. Y segundo, bueno, de mi parte agradecerte por poderte cubrir a lo largo de estas dos temporadas. Hoy se cierra otra más, ya empezaremos en, en la que sigue y en lo que viene. Y pues las mejores de las suertes y, y gracias por tu trabajo, sobre todo con lo difícil que ha sido con todo lo que has eh, pasado en lo personal. Bueno, les, te agradezco y les agradezco a todos esta comunicación que hemos mantenido después de los partidos. Ojalá que el próximo año sea ya abierto y los pueda tener más cerca para poder dialogar un poquito más de fútbol, que es, eh, es lo bueno de esto. Eh, Creo que... ¿Quién me había preguntado? Perdón. De la gente, y uno siempre es un agradecido a la gente, porque no nos olvidemos de la gente paga para venir a ver un espectáculo. Nosotros hemos tratado de que el equipo sea competitivo, un equipo que siempre ha ido en búsqueda de los resultados, desde el minuto cero, inclusive en los cambios que hacíamos. Eh, y bueno, nos hubiese gustado dar un poco más, pero hasta acá llegamos. Eh, la gente ha apoyado, la gente siempre en estos tres años que llevamos se ha comportado de una manera excelente y, y nosotros no estamos más que agradecidos a todos ellos. En algún momento le daremos mejores cosas seguramente. Thank you, Matias. One final question from Fabian Rinkle. Hola, Matías. Muchísimas gracias por tu tiempo y muchísimas gracias por este año. Um, todas estas conferencias de Japón era algo, algo diferente. Muchísimas gracias. Um, quería preguntarte de todos los jugadores que posiblemente eran su último partido. Como uh, Vega también jugó eh, como arquero. Carlos Fierro, Andy Ríos, Alanis, todos los jugadores que eran jugadores que vinieron contigo. ¿Cómo, cómo lo pasaron? Yo sé que todo hoy era de, de Wando, pero ¿cómo lo pasaron ellos? Muchísimas gracias. Bueno, realmente hoy se termina un proceso de muchas cosas. Eh, obviamente la fiesta era para Cris, pero sí, bueno, la, esta incertidumbre de saber cómo vamos a seguir de qué manera, 
eh, hay, si bien hay muchos jugadores que, que terminan sus contratos, eh, todavía no nos hemos sentado con Cris a definir eh, cómo vamos a seguir y seguramente ya a partir de mañana empezaremos a organizar eh, el futuro de, de San José. Eh, creo que todos ellos han dado el máximo, eh, algunos más que otros, no porque no han querido, sino porque no se ha podido, pero bueno, también eh, el año pasado estuvieron eh, muy bien, entonces hay que hacer un balance profundo y, y con tranquilidad para ver realmente cómo, cómo pretendemos seguir. All right, thank Muchas you gracias. Thank you very much, Matías and Augustine. Muchas gracias y les deseo a todos eh, una feliz fiesta. Thank you guys very much and I wish you all happy holidays. Siempre es un gusto poder dialogar de fútbol con ustedes porque han sido muy respetuosos. It's always a pleasure speaking football with you guys because you've all been really respectful. Y eso realmente lo valoro muchísimo y me da placer poder hablar después de cada partido con ustedes. And that's something I value a ton and it gives me great pleasure being able to speak to you guys after each game. Siempre es más lindo desde mi lado hablar cuando ganamos. On my side it's always nicer to talk after we win. Porque las preguntas son diferentes y, y se responden con más facilidad. Because the questions are different and it's easier to respond. Gracias por cada momento y cada pregunta. Thank you for each moment and each question. Los dejo que Pedro está apurado y quiere cortar la cámara. Pedro's in a rush here and he wants to shut the camera off. No. Thank you, Matias. Wow, what a press conference there. I think that was a vintage one from Matias Almeida. Um, one, of, one of the best Um, we, we got the full range of it, um, some discussion of nuts and bolts, but what we really got was we got, Jamin, your question about the year he's had and the way he's seen it. Um, you know, obviously, he always focuses on the human side of the game. That connects very deeply into what we had with Chris Wondolowski tonight, the human side of the game. Uh, he obviously responded very positively to the fashion commentary. Thank you to our commentariat here on the YouTube show. And Alex Morgan, you, are, I mean, if we lose a Matias Almeida, I think you're going to be our number one, uh, you know, the most affected here on the chat because you have the most chemistry uh, with this man. Uh, he just always loves an Alex Morgan question. Um, I, I just, one thing I wanted to say before I turn it over to anybody else, uh, I had no idea that Matias Almeida was in Diego Maradona's testimonial match. Like, what? I mean, that, that is... is, that is That was a huge name drop. That's a Colin. huge Come reveal. On. That's an unbelievable one. I mean, look, there's testimonials and then there's testimonials. And Diego Maradona at Boca Juniors in 2001 in front of 50,000 people, that's that's a big one. Uh, so, you know, I think that one thing that I pulled from that was just, you know, he was saying, like, Chris is an unbelievable talent and if anything, should be honored three times as much as he has been here. Uh, and Matias would know what that's like because, of course, in Argentina, you know, you can do it up in the testimonials here. Uh, Jamin, anything stick out to you about that press conference before his finger on the horn? I'm just, I'm just having fun throwing up the quotes that everyone makes about Alex because no one, people don't really know how this works, but Alex actually leaves and doesn't get to see all the quotes while you guys are putting them in. So when he returns... I feel the need to go back through and pull out all the best ones about the bromance that is happening between Matias Almeida and Alex in these press conferences. Well, 
Jamin, what I'll say is that I have not decided my future for next season <laughs> either. So <laughs> he's um, not re-signed with Epicenter, and, and we don't have an option on him. I'm 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 gonna need to be offered a really lucrative deal here, Jamin, to claim my full value. Yeah, we 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 also at Quick's Epicenter of having a lot of people roll off our books, which is to say everyone because no one's under contract, unfortunately. No uh, Robert Jonas isn't even necessarily a regular contributor. What is what's going to take to get you to stick around for next year? Well, absolutely, maybe a sixty thousand person testimonial. I think we yeah. can know uh, we can borrow Levi's over there for a little bit. Um, anything stick out as presser for you, Robert? You've been seeing a lot of pressers over the years from a couple of very different coaches. Uh, yeah, Matias is certainly not like any of the ones who preceded him. No, it was, it was a my own question, notwithstanding, which is it was a bit uh, a bit challenging to try to get him to expand a little bit on this season. I think, uh, as he said, it's a, he always finds it a lot easier to talk about the good things than the bad things. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, uh, it was it was a great opportunity, I think, for him to to have some of his classic answers. I think, Jamon, your your question was was perfect to to give get him talking. Um, I'm a little surprised, but not overly surprised, that uh, he didn't uh, you know say anything more definitive about his future. Um, um, that you know he you know, sort of kind of repeated a few of his talking points about you know what's next, you know, um, and maybe that's uh, something we could have been asking a little more pointedly, but uh, that, that was, uh, you know, not, I guess he didn't want to take the opportunity tonight to, to, to make any uh, big announcements regarding that. Um, with that said, you know, uh, I think there's a, there's an encouragement on my end to, to hear him talk about the personal development that he's made this year. I mean, tragedy does often, uh, you know, bring out, uh, you know, a lot of learning in, for people and, and, and not by choice, but you, you have to. And, and uh, these are the kinds of lessons that it sounds like he's really taking to heart and, and may, you know, improve him as a person and, and maybe even as a coach. So, you know, if that's with San Jose, if that's with uh, like the chat is saying, so maybe a club in Mexico or elsewhere, um, and I will say Mateus probably has the best PR team in, in the world because he seems to be linked with every big job that opens up. Uh, I hear he was a Newcastle candidate there for a while. So, you know, he, he's not a he's not a man who's who who, who seemingly lacks opportunities, but uh, it's whether you, you know, he can take the one he has in front of him here and, and do something in his last year. I was hoping to get a little bit of a, a little more talk out from him about that. But I guess we'll uh, we'll wait and see what he has to say about uh, next season's goals. Yeah, we are still stuck. Uh, stuck with tea leaf reading here. And one of the tiny, tiny dregs of tea leaves I found here in this press conference is that, you know, the, the joking reference to John Fisher kidding him out and more banana Republican gap, uh, which is a pretty good joke, actually, as far as, you know, head coaches at soccer conferences go, but also speaks to something which we know to be true, which is he does have a level of relationship with John Fisher. It's not just a cold, you know, distant relationship. They, he definitely has something as well. So I, th I think that's about all that I could take in terms of his future. Otherwise, he really refused to get drawn out on it until the very end, that last question in Spanish, asking about the futures of specific players. He did allude to the idea that there would be a process to decide them, which of course means that, you know, there might actually be some future. But Alex Morgan, well, you're Colin, I just need to say, um, because I'm a completely unbiased, objective reporter, uh, and I have to hold Matias accountable. That was not the first time he used that joke. He has used that joke in the past as well when asked about his sartorial choices. So uh, I just wanted to briefly mention that. Um, and then yeah. I, I, 
I do have some deeper reflections on the press conference as well. Uh, if we no, have the for that. Um, I, I, I just think it's, it was also um, admirable in, in something that I gathered from the press conference, the way in which Matthias, I think, understood the moment uh, of this match and how it wasn't about him. And it was about giving the stage for Wando uh, to celebrate and enjoy and savor this last match. Um, you mentioned earlier how it seemed like he was sort of on the outskirts of the celebrations and how sort of the dynamic there was interesting to you. Um, you know, I just think that speaks to the fact that he knew that it wasn't about him tonight. Um, I think he's a manager whose presence and whose aura can be sort of all encompassing at times and can dominate uh, every conversation. Um, but I really respected the way in which tonight I think he took a step back and uh, was able to appreciate Wondolowski. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think a part of that probably comes from having played in so many obviously illustrious uh, testimonial matches before. Obviously, uh, he, he knew what he was getting into. Yeah, and, and this one technically not a testimonial, but more or less felt like it given that the competitive stakes were nil. Um, so, by the way, I do want to uh, one last update here, which is I do not believe that we're going to be getting a player press conference tonight. So don't stick around for any of that. Um, I want to redirect it then a little bit towards a close as we are running about as long as we ever do on these postgame shows, which is, of course, fitting for the occasion uh, and send it around the horn for, you know, just a, a last reflection on Chris Wondolowski's time at the Quakes and what it felt like tonight. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Robert Jonas. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I really wanted to be in the stadium for today's game. You know, it, while nothing had been officially announced ahead of time, you know, everything was pointing to this being his, you know, Chris Wanderlowski's last appearance on the field for San Jose, and so I made sure I got here early. I was uh, kind of watching when he came out for the pregame uh, stretching. He was, you know, cheered, you know, for a small standing ovation, just walking out on the field. He he was stretching, and people were paying attention. The kids, his kids, were running around. You know, there was a there was just a, you know, an air of, of, you know, not finality, but the way he was soaking things in, in a way that, you know, you, you, a normal pregame, uh, you know, set of rituals didn't, didn't really reflect. Um, and for those who uh, know his uh, famous spit take with the water bottle that he'll do before every game, uh, the level of uh, extra orchestration this time around was, was something to behold. And, and, and that kind of right there told me, okay, you know, this is something that we're going to hear about by the end of the game. And so, you know, that, 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 those little bits and pieces, you know, this were something that I was smiling with along the way. You know, this is a, a player that my first memory of is probably seeing him at a training when he was first brought back to the earthquakes in 2009. And my first remembrance of him playing, I think, was in Oakland when the, the, the Galaxy played the Quakes back at the Oakland Coliseum. And I think Wando came in as a substitute in that game and didn't have a, a huge impact or otherwise. But it was just like, OK, well, here's this you know, scrawny kid we got for Cam Weaver. And well, I wonder what he'll turn into. And then just kind of riding that magic carpet through 2010 and, and, and forward into the year after year. Someone who, uh, you know, I still have an opportunity to connect with and, and hope to continue to connect with as, uh, as he moves into his retirement years. Um, but just, you know, being in person at, at such an event was, was something that was going to be important to me. And, and, and just I'm really glad to, to have been a part of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that's interesting about Chris Wondolowski is we know that he didn't want to put too much emphasis on his retirement parade. There are players who, you know, they announce their retirement before the season and everywhere they go, somebody hands that, you know, when Mariano Rivera retired, there was all the broken bats, you know, assembled into a chair and all these gifts everywhere he went. Wander didn't want that. Um, you know, he's too probably too humble of a guy to have it. But to all of us who have followed him for so long, it really is a big deal. And I think all of us kind of made occasion. I'm here on the East Coast. I couldn't make it. But, you know, we all made occasion to make sure we were watching this game. Uh, and for many more people than have been at recent games, we're there as well. Uh, Jamie Moore, any last reflections on Wando? Yeah, first off, uh, I wanted I wanted to say to everyone, thank you for sticking around tonight uh, for us to be able to do this and, and obviously a little bit longer uh, because of waiting for Matias and everything. But, you know, first off, a big cheer to, to all the fans who have stuck with us through the show and really have been here all season long. I just want to say thank you uh, since we're doing the last rounds here. Second thing is, is I'm, just, I'm proud of who I see, you know, on the show tonight. There's one guy who's not here who really wanted to be here, and uh, someone had mentioned him earlier, and I want to point point out to Joel Soria, because I know Wando meant a lot to him, and he really wanted to get to the game tonight, and he wasn't able to, and if he was able to, we were going to try to find a way to get him on for 10 or 15 minutes if I could have, you know, could, uh, you know, push and, and shoved him enough, you know, hopefully he would have been able to do it. But, uh, you know, he's someone that uh, I hope at some point will be able to come back and provide us some reflections as well. You know, for me, uh, you know, the Wando is the most personal part, I think, of my relationship with San Jose Earthquake. So a lot of the rest of it, I can kind of view in a very transactional kind of way. Um, I think I can separate myself from the fan side and be able to analyze the team and, and be able to do so. And certainly, you know, we will have the opportunity in this offseason to really kind of dig into to this team itself. But Wando represents something that I think goes far deeper than the typical type of fan relationship with a team or even a media relationship, you know, with players and with coaches. There's something just different and extra special about him that I, I just have this kind of almost fear. Uh, maybe that's, that's a very strong word for it, that, you know, we won't see someone like Wando that will connect not just with the earthquakes, but just with major league soccer fans in general in, in a way that Wando is able to, that I just never, you know, have seen anywhere else. And I don't know we'll ever really see again. And I, and I think that the league really has the, you know, potential, you know, to lose someone like that. I, you know, I, I, I wonder what that's going to mean, you know, in this particular league, because I just think he set himself apart in that way as an ambassador. And then to add on to that, that he's the leading goal scorer by now a pretty large margin in the league. And he's actually not that athletic. And you could say, like, he's not that good of a soccer player at times. You know, he's he has a very specific skill set that he's been able to use. And uh, it served him very well. And he could probably use the same skill set for another, you know, 10, 15 years. I think he could have chosen when he retired. And, and it's just been my honor. You know, you guys have been here a lot longer. And Joel, I want to, you know, mention Joel as well. It's been my honor to, to be a part of this from the media side and be able to, to have that locker room conversation with Chris, to be able to ask him questions in a press conference. And I'm sure I'll get the chance to do it on Tuesday as well. Like there's just something special to being able to be a part of a, of a, of a, a thing like this. Wish we could have been there in person like, like we, we were in the old days. But uh, Robert, glad you were, glad you were here particularly uh, for this, this particular show more than any. 
And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, very proud of what this group has accomplished, but I'm also very grateful for what we've been able to witness with Chris Wondolowski. So, you know, for, for, for us, I think in some ways, kind of an end of an era, uh, you know, of the San Jose earthquakes in more ways than one. Uh, gratitude is exactly the way I describe it. And I, I just want to highlight something that Jamin was saying is it actually is, I mean, you know, people ask uh, me sometimes about like, how do you cover a team that when I was a kid, I grew up as a fan. It's actually not that hard to just kind of separate and put on a new hat and cover the team analytically as a reporter. And, you know, you're not necessarily objective per se, but you you can have some distance and clarity. It's not so easy to do with Wando. The The relationship is more emotional with him than it is when you're just you know, I, I bang on about attacking patterns or or something like that. That's, you know, that's analytical. That's something that I can detach with. Wando and what he represented was more than that. And and I think that one of the funniest things that we saw today uh, was a big bear hug with Baldomero Toledo, his longtime adversary, and actually like quite a long conversation with Victor Rivas, the very young new referee that he got in with, and then Toledo asking for a photo with him. Even the referees can't be indifferent to this guy, even though he was yelling at them for many years, as we all know. Um, Alex Morgan, I'm going to give you last thoughts on Wando uh, before I close the show and give the, the audience a little idea of what's coming up next, because obviously there is some still to go. But I wanted your reflections on Wando and the night. Yeah, it was an emotional night, Colin. I'm hearing Marcelo, Daniel here, mentioning some tears at the end of that one. Um, yeah, I was also welling up with some tears at the uh, end of the game as he was speaking to the crowd. That was not an emotion that I have felt before covering this team. That was not an emotion I expected to feel uh, covering uh, the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, and I think it speaks to the fact that you know this connection that Wando has with Quakes fans and this community that he has built uh, is so special. And, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, a tough moment. It's a, a bittersweet moment. I'm going to go listen to some sad, heavy, uh, emotional music. Uh, after we get off the show here, I have some recommendations, uh, in my Twitter feed, if you would uh, like those. Um, and, uh, if I look back on Wondolowski's career and, and what it's meant to me, I don't think so much of one moment as I do the accumulation of a hundred, a thousand little moments in which Wando has gone out of his way uh, to be charitable, to be gracious, to be kind uh, to everybody in this community. I know that as reporters, whenever we're at the stadium, you know, whenever we have the postgame show afterwards or you know, back when I was writing match reports more frequently, we'd be one of the last people at the stadium. But every time, most every time I left, I was walking back to the car park. Uh, Chris Wondolowski was still there signing autographs. And he was always the last one out, always making sure that everybody who wanted an autograph got an autograph. And uh, I think that spirit of giving, uh, of uh, giving back to the community and appreciating uh, everybody uh, for showing up and for uh, being a part of that community was uh, something that I'll appreciate about Chris Wondolowski. I feel like that speaks to that giving spirit speaks to who he is as a person and um, just very grateful to have been able to, uh, you know, witness that, to interact with him 
over the last, you know, six years, uh, he's always been incredibly generous with his time uh, towards us in, in, in the media. Uh, and uh, for that, I'm very grateful. I don't know who we would have talked to. There are many nights where I don't know if any, any other players who would have been willing to speak to us, we would have been left there waiting. But Chris Wondolowski always made sure we weren't left there waiting. So, Robert Jonas, could we just do a brief check-in before we wrap the show? Is Chris Wondolowski still there an hour and a half after the game? I am looking down at the field right now, and there's a small group of fans still getting uh, autographs and pictures pitch sides. So uh, there might be a reason we haven't talked to Chris yet, because he still has yet to leave the field. And I don't know how many hours ago the game ended, but still going. I think we're getting on two now. He's still going. Um, okay, so with that, uh, I am going to drive this show to a close. Now that we've hit our 90-minute mark, I don't think we've ever gotten this far before. Of course, this is a unique occasion. Uh, well done, Extra gentlemen. time. Thank we you. can do this. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for being here, especially Robert Jonas as well. Um, for everyone who's watching today, I, of course, want to flag, first of all, of course, that our Patreon still exists. Uh, there are different levels that you can subscribe at. It has features such as early access to articles, I think that's the $2 level. At the $5 level, you get to participate in our collective Slack. Uh, There's unique videos that we put out and other forms of access. Jamin, earlier in the show, of course, mentioned that there's a press conference coming up, kind of an end-of-season presser that we'll distribute to patrons. Uh, And we really appreciate all the support. Um, it's, It's helped us make the show uh, we really enjoy doing it, but there are, you know, it does make it quite a lot easier when we can cover our expenses uh, and provide the content that you guys like. So uh, do sign up for our Patreon, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and of course, read our articles on QuakesEpicenter.com. Uh, I certainly intend to do some postseason articles uh, on, on what we're going to see and expect some coverage from us on that end of season conference next Tuesday. It's going to include Chris Wondolowski, most likely. Uh, we also are, of course, expecting an announcement on a new GM. And could well have an announcement and a new coach as well. So whatever comes, we will be there with the Quakes Epicenter gang. This is the last show of the season. I also want to rail off some stats here from Jamin earlier. I think it was our 37th regularly scheduled uh, show of the Aftershock this year. We also did a couple of extras, uh, little individual videos as well. And I think that we had a total, was it 11 or 12 different hosts, Jamin, throughout the year? Yeah, uh, I, so- I think it might be... It's either 11 or 12. I, I need to go back and do a better count, but 11 or 12. You so know, it takes a family here. We had some of those who truly as guests, but there's a lot of people who work here, you know, behind the scenes and do lots of different ways to support it. So uh, I want to thank you all. Thank them all. Thank the audience as well. But of course, tonight is Wando's night. So thank you, Chris Wondowski, for the joy you've brought us through some objectively quite dark times since 2012. Uh, we appreciate everything you've given us. And it was a pleasure to be here on the night.